1: And they're now generationally living in this town. So what happens is, is the shift comes to the value of loyalty to family and community and shifts away from the diversity of economics and the creation of financial opportunities.
0: Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachia. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR shaping our Appalachian region if you're a entrepreneur out there especially in eastern Kentucky check them out all right Appalachian meets world we're back it's Will and Neil Neil. what up you got some snow down there I got some snow up here I got nothing man just cold weather cold weather and sickness down here I feel you man I I, I can see it in your face the listeners can't see it but I can see the sickness Thank goodness the listeners can't see me. It's been a rough match. Anyway, as I suffer through it, you got some app news for us this week? Well, I do. But I wanted to ask you something first. So with oh. the sickness, did it cut into it cut into your Swifty tickets? <laughs> well, fortunately, I was able to to be online for eight straight hours waiting in line. And uh <laughs> You know, I, I was able to capture some some Swifty tickets yesterday. So we're gonna put them on our website and sell them <laughs> thirty seven thousand dollars a piece. If anybody's interested, nice. <laughs> nice. You well, know, just kidding. Don't don't call us. Don't request Swifty tickets. <laughs> no, we no do not does. have any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that like Ticketmaster, the website crashed or something because so many people wanted tickets. It's crazy. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, to be that popular again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to catch that. <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift is the the thing right now. For, you got daughters? Do they, are they into Taylor Swift? She's not yet. That's because all her daddy lets her listen to is Tyler Childers. <laughs> Maybe. Speaking of, <laughs> guess where he's coming? Yeah, he's coming. He's coming outside coming of Appalachia. North. Coming up north, but. I Get an email saying I'm a fan to get tickets at 9 a.m. So I logged in at 9:02. No more tickets. Yeah, this was a That's pre-sale. Just, you know, I think those things are are rigged. I guess by the people that sell them on the secondary market. I don't know how they figured it out, but I mean, it's such a scam. Yeah, I have to agree that some something they do something, and you have to get past the whole robot thing. clicking on the different bicycles or different cars you know what i'm talking about yeah i do (laughs) i always screw that up too how they get around that i have no idea yeah i don't either i did want to give a shout out to our friends over in uh in moorhead kentucky at new frontier nobody can see you right now but but i love the pullover you have on man yeah uh, did new frontier clothing send that to you did you purchase that I purchased this outright, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, like it. it's pretty shout sweet, out man. Shout out to the brothers over there at Moorhead. Uh, I like the design. I'm going to have to get myself one. Yeah, I need to check that out for, for any of the listeners out there uh, that wants to check it out. It's the three-quarter snap. <laughs> yeah, it's Pull pretty over. sweet. I'm actually yeah, going to be nice. in Moorhead this weekend, Will. I'm planning to, to maybe swing in. I might have to pick me one up. Are you listeners out there? Check it out, New Frontier. If you if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. They've been on the show before. They have a clothing line uh, that is out of uh, Moorhead, Kentucky. Originally, they're worldwide now. But anyway, New Frontier Clothing. Check them out sometime. Anyway, on to other news. Speaking of them, you know they are a couple of uh, entrepreneurs, and this is entrepreneurship month but this week is global entrepreneurship week because of that in regards to app news i wanted to mention one item this week i just have one item the u.s economic development administration the eda has put out building resilient economies in coal country initiative so it's the brecc initiative the BREC initiative It's a three-year program led by the National Association of Counties, which people refer to as NACO. They are assisting co-regions as they seek to develop new economic engines and community assets. I just wanted to mention that there is an information session on November 29th at 2 p.m. If you want to log into that through the EDA, I know they have some partners that are happening out. One of those have been on our episodes before. Give a shout out to EntraWorks Consulting. That's the news of the day. It's the Building Resilient Economies in Coal Country Initiative, the BREC initiative. So, If you're a community out there, you're looking to diversify your economy or to develop new economic engines, check it out. It's a new initiative. Got some grant dollars, some technical assistance. I'm glad you mentioned that, Will. It always makes me laugh when you talk about those... Uh, <laughs> never-ending acronyms of uh, designation the QXYZ initiative so yeah I love it when people come out with those but in all seriousness that is a great thing I'm glad you mentioned it newsworthy for sure yeah, that, that's all the, the news I have because I wanted to jump right in maybe to the episode tonight. I want to talk a little bit about Entrepreneurship Month, but more specifically Global Entrepreneurship Week. Did you realize it was Global Entrepreneurship Week now? Yeah. You know, as an entrepreneur, we get a letter about it every year. <laughs> totally kidding. I did not <laughs> realize that this was the week, but glad to know. Is, this, is it an annual thing? It is, you know, it's more of a marketing tool, but a push to support entrepreneurs, to support entrepreneurship and just to show how important it is. And so they go global to connect, you know, obviously, American entrepreneurs and the history of American entrepreneurs to global entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs overseas. And in this episode today, while we while we're staying domestic, we are venturing outside of the region Real quick, before we get started, Will, can you say that five times in a row really fast? Entrepreneurs, say it. Do it. Do it, Will. I can't even say it once really fast. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle yeah. with that word. Do you well, not? It's, it's difficult. You know what's even harder? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only person, but every time I spell it, I feel like every time I write it, I feel like I write it wrong every single time, yeah, even though I know tough, how to spell man. it. It is a challenging word to spell. I mean, it doesn't matter. Every single time I I write it down, I feel like it's wrong. I don't know why. (laughs) Even when you write it right? Yeah. Even when it's correct, I have to double check myself every time. It's funny. Yeah, it's one of those words, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial. It's like O-I-L. Can you say O-I-L? Did you just say A-O-L? No. O-I-L. Can you say O I L? O exactly <laughs> people outside the mountains they don't understand me when I say oh because because they don't, don't oh. they don't know how to talk <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it I mean that's that's how you say it I guarantee <laughs> that that should be the next question we ask all of our guests can you say o-i-l <laughs> to to see the differences. I think yeah, even within the region, there's definitely differences with how you pronounce all. For sure. There's a lot of those words. Don't get me started. So entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial, one time fast. That's all I got. But Global Entrepreneurship Week. And because of that, we wanted to have a special guest on. And we have an expert. He's actually certified entrepreneurship development professional through the International Economic Development Council, another acronym for you, the IEDC. He um, is certified in that. He's an expert in entrepreneurship and building entrepreneurial ecosystems in communities. Yeah, really looking forward to this conversation, Will. It's going to be a great, great guest to have on and uh, couldn't be a more perfect week to have him here. Yeah, going outside. He he now resides in Colorado Springs, outside of the region, but we want to want to reach out and see how that region compares to that of Appalachia. So you want to get him on here? Yes sir, let's do it. Light of Entrepreneurship Month, as well as Global Entrepreneurship Week, which is this week, we have a special guest on, Zach Barker. He's a certified economic developer, as well as an expert and certified entrepreneurship development professional who specializes in the delivery of entrepreneurial led economic development strategies acceleration training programs and sustainable support systems for communities he has successfully built and accelerated entrepreneur ecosystems in nashville tennessee and lafayette louisiana and now in his home of colorado springs colorado he's also the founder and president of the startup support center providing entrepreneur training focused on the development of the individual entrepreneur so zach
1: Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your time on this Global Entrepreneurship Week. Right on. Well, I mean, I'm going to take you with me. People ask me to introduce myself. I go like, I just help people start businesses that work. And then they go like, well, how complicated is it? It's as complicated as Will just said. <laughs> I'll be your hype man. Yeah, I'll be your hype man. There you go. I love it. I love it. It's perfect, man. It's perfect. So no, thank you. I'm super excited. Global Entrepreneurship Week, man, should be once a quarter. At a minimum, right? And right. so, uh, small business, like Small Business Week, is coming up. We had, you know, Economic Development Week during the summer, but like, man, yeah, seeing people grow businesses and and be successful and financially independent is really a cool thing.
0: Yeah, I wanted to mention that it is Global Entrepreneurship Week, and while <clears throat> we aren't going global, we are staying domestic, but it's outside of the Appalachian region.
1: That's right. You're in the other mountain range now, so. <laughs>
0: Just to get started, we always ask all our guests this question, as Appalachians are big on history, big on tradition. Neil and I, our family, we're big on tradition as well. One of the traditions we have, we have appetizers at the holiday. Usually we have this gigantic spread of appetizers, more than the actual meal. So we want to kick it off and ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish?
1: Oh, man. So yeah, so I live in Colorado. I grew up in Nashville. But, you know, people always say like, where are you actually from? And I go like, I mean, I guess you had to say where I'm from. I went to high school and college in Nashville, but I met my wife and I moved to Lafayette, Louisiana, and really kind of found like where I belong is what I would say. Like, that's home. That's home, home, right? I I wouldn't not go back to Nashville, but if I had to go home, I would go home to Louisiana. Yeah. So my mother-in-law makes oyster dressing, which is, um, it's dressing, right? Kind of like bread dressing a whole bit, but man, it is oysters and onions and peppers. Like it's a, the holy trinity of Louisiana foods, but it is <laughs> oyster driven and man, she does not skimp. So people always go like, ah, oh, it sounds pretty good. Like if you've had oyster dressing at a restaurant, you're glad if you get two or three oysters, I tell you, you'd be lucky if you get a little bit of bread when we eat it because it is just oysters with all the other stuff just dressed into it. So no, nice. it's-, it's it's fantastic. That's what I would say is my my go to and uh, any chance I can get if I could just do appetizers at a restaurant, not necessarily in Colorado, because I don't know where they come from, but oysters <laughs> on a half shell, raw there oysters, man, I'll, I'll take the mercury poisoning all day long. Let's go. Uh, it's it's nice. so good. We've
0: had, we've had oysters as an answer before, but never the oyster dressing.
1: So that's a great Bro. answer. Man. Great. I'm gonna tell you what we'll make some. We'll figure out how for you and me to hang out. I'll get you some. It's game. <laughs> it's a game changer, man. It's a, a game changer. I'm already
0: your hype, man. So we'll figure <laughs> out. That's gonna so, be part of my payment for you. There you go. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you. Uh, you know, I mentioned this entrepreneurial-led economic development, which you are an expert in, certified in as well. Just for our listeners, I wanted to ask you just what exactly is the entrepreneur-led economic development as opposed to just your traditional economic development?
1: Yeah, I, I think part of that question, if I can answer it by starting to say, like, what do I think economic development is? A lot of times people hear that term and they go, I don't really know what that is. We're talking to our people, our fellow economic developers. We get it, right? But for people who are on the outside, economic development is creating a quality of life for you in a community where you can have a good job. You can have sustainability, you can have consistency. And the way that that's done, right, is usually through recruiting companies, expanding companies. So businesses that that are already in your town, we make bigger. And then the third piece really is, as I see it, is always entrepreneurship, which is starting companies. And so when people say, like, what is economic development? I just say like this, you know, when COVID hit and the whole world shut down, if your city did better or at least kind of stayed the same, you probably have good economic development. you got a resilient, diverse ecosystem, right? And if it didn't do better, then you can look at it and say, what do we need to do? Recruit companies, expand the companies we have, or do we need to start more companies? And that's where I always tell people, is like entrepreneur-led eco- economic development is nothing different than regular economic development. The thing of it is this. Remember, Amazon was started by someone who had an idea. Right, Dell Computers was started in Austin, Texas, by Michael Dell in his in his dorm room. Right, one guy created Dell, and you go like that was entrepreneurship. Right, the Google guys, the Amazon guys, Facebook. This is and these are all tech companies, right? But you know, Starbucks was started by an entrepreneur, and so people will always say like, "Well, we wish we had bigger companies in our town." And where I say entrepreneur led economic development. Is instead of saying, I wish that these companies would come to my town, it's investing in the talent, the resources, and the technology to start those businesses in your own town. Because remember, there are plenty of dumb people, and I'm not saying any of those people are dumb who started those things, right? There are plenty of dumb people who are successful in spite of their best efforts to mess everything up. I will take all of them in my town and then I'll take all the smart people right behind them. And I guarantee you that Colorado Springs, Colorado, where I live, will be one of the best, most resilient cities in this nation, if not in the world, if you focus on talent development through entrepreneurship, education, technology to help accelerate them as much as possible. Because like we're going to talk about Appalachia, right? What's the biggest challenge? You don't have a lot of resources, but technology is a game changer. It really gives you exponential growth. And then the last piece is resources. And resources are inclusive of investment capital. Even if that's a revolving loan fund, you might need five grand to start a business. You should be able to get that. Not everybody needs a million dollars, right? Resources are mentors and advisors, guys like you and me who go like, I don't have to live in Appalachia to know that I will help you just hit me up on zoom let's go technology right that's an example and then you know talent development unless you grew up in a family of entrepreneurs or business owners the reality is you probably don't know much about it but man if you could just get some 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 you know as we would joke like if i was you know just a little outside of nashville let's say you get a little learning right you get you get a little education and you actually learn something but you learn from somebody who's done it and they cut out all the garbage you go like this is all you need to know man, all of a sudden your knowledge base is strong, your resources around you are strong and the technology can let you grow. And that's entrepreneur-led economic, ec- economic development. Now, I'll make one last point is, you wanna recruit companies to your town, show them a vibrant ecosystem of entrepreneurs, they'll come. You want companies to expand in your town, they're probably led by entrepreneurs who are just kind of made that next leap, right? Give them the technology, the resources, and the talent. And dude, then your business retention expansion initiatives are done too. Like entrepreneurship to me should be the number one thing offered by economic development because everything else can trail it if you do it well. And I'll step off my soapbox. (laughs) That's a great point.
0: You you, you can tell you're a teacher and we'll we'll get into your company directly a little bit later. But uh, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, coming from Colorado, Colorado was really the birthplace of this whole... Economic Gardening, which um, was started by Chris Gibbons in Littleton, Colorado. But that's really centered around growing from within. Correct. um, Which Colorado has obviously been really successful in that. And and in regards to diversifying the the economy. Mm -hmm. But um, in Appalachia, it's long been uh, known as an extractive economy where it Mm -hmm. hasn't been as diverse. That's really starting to change out of necessity. But when you look at the two regions, similar in mountain culture and kind of isolation just because of the mountains, how do you think they compare and how can an e-led strategy work in both
1: or work anywhere? So, you know, I want to kind of address something that you and I chatted about even before we started, right? Like Birmingham, Alabama, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, like these are in Appalachia. So this is, we're not talking about you know, and again, like I always tell people when I told people I was from Louisiana, they go, what's it like to live with alligators? <laughs> I live in a city. We don't live with alligators. Right. Yeah. So stop. like. But, but people don't know what they don't know. It's like Appalachia isn't deliverance. Get out of here. Like, that's not what's Thank going you. on. Right. Thank it's you. not. Yeah, man. And everybody isn't, you know, not wearing shoes and playing banjos and dumb as a brick. Like it's it, people got to suspend that that kind of like stereotypical belief that they have or bias that they have around people. What I would say is so Colorado is diverse, right? So, Colorado, and interestingly, is Colorado is, you know, so we're a big square, but everything is run right down the middle. So, the mountains are right here. You got a couple towns on this side, we're going towards California, but everything is on the Kansas side. You know, you got Fort Collins, you got Boulder, which is the big, the big like, Education Center, that's where the University of Colorado is, the Colorado most people know, right? Fort Collins, Boulder, Denver, then Colorado Springs, and then you have a smaller town called Pueblo. And that's basically where like 85% of our population lives along this three hour run, north and south. But what's interesting is If you live in Pagosa Springs or Durango or Grand Junction or Steamboat, there are tons of unbelievably super smart people. Some people who are unbelievably well-educated, right? Master's degrees, PhDs, yada, 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 whatever. But then you got a lot of people who go like, man, I just got through high school, but they're unbelievably intelligent. They might not be as educated formally, right? College educated, but they're smart. They're resourceful. And that's what I would say, if I can say anything to people who live in rural communities or smaller communities where your culture has been about survival and has been about, you know family and consistency and, and, and culture, right? Those are unbelievably a resilient people and unbelievably innovative people. So as entrepreneurs, they have all of the things that you can't teach, right? Let me repeat that. They have all of the things you cannot teach, which is the want to the resilience, the willingness to go through tough times because this is my home and this is where I'm going to live, right? Now, when you get into the teaching, the support, all the infrastructure, things like that, then you start to really provide the, the catapult for these individuals. You give them a platform. And so that's what I would say here is like Colorado Springs, we're the second biggest city in Colorado, but it doesn't take me very long to be, you know, 30 minutes outside of town. And all of a sudden people are going like, yeah, I'd like to start a business, but I don't live in Denver. And I go like Denver is not the holy grail of anything, <laughs> yeah, right? right? There's more, there is more talent because of population, right? There's more resources because they have universities and hospitals and more banks and all this stuff. But the reality is it doesn't mean they have better ideas and it doesn't mean that they're more talented than you are. So the world now is super connected. And here's what I'll say is what you know what Appalachia needs, same thing that rural Colorado needs high speed internet. So Joe yeah. Biden or whoever gets elected president next, I'm looking at you and I'm telling you right now, y'all want to make us the superpower of the world again? High-speed internet in rural communities cuz not everybody wants to live in Denver or Nashville yeah. or Houston. Some people we've, want to live in small towns.
0: We've spoken about that a number number of times on this on this podcast how broadband is really a game changer for those small rural communities. Dude,
1: it's like at this point it's like water and electricity. And I know people don't want to necessarily hear that, but it's a utility, you know, yeah. now should it be, you know, publicly owned? I don't know. That's for debate. My my, my mother-in-law works for a private uh, internet provider. So she would kill me if I said it should be. I don't know <laughs> that it should be publicly owned, but like everything else, there should probably be a public outlet. There isn't a, a business case for private to move in, right? So smaller towns, you know, Xfinity and Cox and, and Comcast, they're not going to move in because it costs too much to serve too, too few people. But the Tennessee Valley Authority could absolutely build that. I mean, that's a game changer. Again, Bowling Green, Kentucky, Cadiz, Kentucky, where I used to hang out—you know—quite a bit. Those towns can crush it, man. You don't have to be in Nashville to make it work. You don't have to be in, you know, Morgantown, West Virginia. You can live outside of those towns and still be fantastic. But you got to have access, got to have resources. Good,
0: really good point. And the whole broadband thing would obviously be a whole nother podcast in and of itself. But you can have me I'll- back
1: on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to ask you, you talked about these perceptions that people have yeah. of Appalachia, but when people think about Appalachia, they they have these negative perceptions or really what I call misconceptions, which is yep. partly why we started this podcast. Yep. Whereas when people think of the Rocky Mountains, I don't think they think of it in the same way. There's definitely not this negative connotation. But just from a cultural perspective, perspective. Appalachia has traditionally been kind of risk adverse, especially mm-hmm. in the smaller towns. Yep. How do you think that compares to the culture
1: in the Rocky Mountains in regards to entrepreneurship? One million percent the same. Right. So so I don't want to ever say people are the same, but I want to tell you that cultures are very similar. So, you know, now I live in the Rocky Mountains. Again, I live in a bigger town, but I work with smaller cities who are around us. The thing about it, if you're from Paonia, Colorado, which is exactly where you think it is, nowhere Colorado, right? There's <laughs> nothing around it. Nobody lives there, but they have a downtown strip, right? They have people who live there, who work and live and have lived. They're generational though, right? So where I came from in Lafayette, Louisiana, it's it's a city, it's a town. There's plenty of people who are very well educated, and make money, but it's a small town. And when you hear small town, or you hear rural community, you think dumb, you think country, you think you know that they lack you know kind of innovative and creativeness. You know what you think of is is again you think of you know country, small, do nothing, sitting on the porch all day, you know playing jugs type of stupid stuff. But the reality is the reason that those people are risk adverse is because they're, they are small. And so when some new person comes in, the fancy person in town with the nice suit comes in and go, I'm going to help you all get right. Here we go. Everyone's going to be better after I'm done building the railway through here, right? And so those small towns learned when all those people came through decades ago, if not you know, 100 years ago and said, we're going to make you better by running a railway right through the middle of your town. They realized their town isn't better. And so what they did is they start to circle the wagons and they go, we don't want outsiders. Now, here's what really kills it culturally. And I think this is part of your question, right? How does it relate to the the Rocky Mountains? When you don't trust outsiders, one, and all of your best, super talented, ambitious, and I'm not saying the best of super talented people don't stay, but your ambitious people go, I can't do it here. So what happens is, is your game changer, your person, the golden child who could, could, could turn it around has got to go to Nashville, has got to go to Kansas City, has got to go to Minneapolis, has got to go to Salt Lake City, right? They can't live where they live and chase their ambition. And you can't count on the ties of family to keep people stuck in a town forever, man. And so that's where it's so similar because the people are so cool and so great and so dynamic. They've circled the wagons because they don't trust outsiders and I don't blame them. I don't know that I would either, right? And they're now generationally living in this town. So what happens is, is the shift comes to the value of loyalty to family and community and shifts away from the diversity of economics and the creation of financial opportunities. And people just go like, yeah, man, we're poor, but we're happy. And uh, i be honest, like, I'm not sure that they're not right. You know, I don't know, maybe that is yeah. the way, but the challenge is, is when a thing like a COVID hits, right. Or, Take like West Virginia, which again kind of gets nabbed for being, you know, kind of the the expected Appalachian. But when the government starts going, like, we ain't going to do coal anymore, I mean, you're killing an entire state. You're killing an entire economy. You're talking about people who are fifth generation coal miners. Then you're going, like, get a software engineering job. You go, what are you talking about? You know, man, I went to high school so I could work in the coal mine. I could make 150K a year and have a great life. I don't want to move. So that's where it's the same. You know, these small towns are built on, Being small towns. You know, you're an expert. Uh, And I hope that answers your question. I know it's kind of being preachy. It's a little preachy. We always
0: like, obviously, we focus a lot of our show on Appalachia. But another reason why we started this podcast is to go outside of Appalachia and help people understand the culture of Appalachia while also learning about the culture of other areas. I think when you get down to those dynamics, we are all much more similar than we are different. If that makes sense? Yep. You know, you mentioned those small communities and you obviously are an expert in building that entrepreneur ecosystem in some of those smaller communities. But what recommendations would you give? Maybe just a couple. Obviously, there are probably tons, but sure. would you give a community in regards to e or in regards to driving that diversification of the economy?
1: Yeah, look, and I, I'm biased because it's what I do. But I'm also going to tell you, I'm not biased. I do it because I believe it. I believed it before I started it, man. It's education. And when I say education, like, you know, if you went to the university, if you went to the University of Louisville, you got a four year degree, you got an MBA from Vanderbilt. I think you're fancy. I do. And I suspect that you're very well educated. Right. But, you know, man, I have a master's degree. And I'm not sure, like, and again, I love my master's program. I love my school. I got it from Murray State. So go Murray, Kentucky, right? But like, did they teach me how it works in your city? No. What they taught me is how it can work, how it should work, how to build the structure, but not the application. And so what you, here's my suggestion. If I'm talking to any small town and I'm saying, you guys want to, to change your stars, Right you got to start with teaching people. And when I say teach I'm not talking about changing your four year, you know, high school program. I'm not talking about bringing in a university. I'm talking about create I'm going to I'm going to, you know, do what I shouldn't do, but I'm going to say take a book that somebody wrote that works really 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 well and own it. Like implement it and own it and yes I did write this thing. But you know, it's yeah, it's fine. I'm not doing that to to introduce it as much as to say like there are models that already exist, right? The reason that business books are so popular is because they work so well. So if you took the top 10 business books of all time and you said, our little town in Ohio is gonna become the center of knowing and owning these 10 business books. Y'all are gonna become experts at this segment of entrepreneurship. I bet you, I bet you, I'd be willing to bet my future income on that city, starts to see huge returns. But the problem is, and this is ultimately what I say is, is, so my advice is start with education, start with talent development. Just think of it like this. What if you could put your people through an entrepreneur series where they're gonna learn everything about running a business, operating a business, the finances of the business. And then the worst thing that happens is, is they go, I don't wanna be an entrepreneur. Tell me what business in your town doesn't wanna hire that person. They know everything, man. They could run the business. Now, Now they may not understand exactly what you do, or exactly who your client is, but you give that person a year who's gone through a formal training, an accelerator, a talent development accelerator, I bet you the worst thing that happens is you just made some superstar employees and they are game changers at those companies. So that's my advice. Like You can have financing, you can have revolving loan funds and blah, 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 blah. Man, money is not needed until you prove that you can sell something. And you can't prove you can sell it until you understand how to sell.
0: That's such a great advice. And speaking of advice, you know, you you mentioned your book. You've written, you've written a few books and you have them on your website, the Startup Support Center. The Startup Support yep. Center, rather than focusing on communities, really focuses on the individual entrepreneur. So I wanted yeah. to ask you about that. You know, as an expert in that field, what what are maybe two of the most important things you would tell an entrepreneur or someone who's starting out?
1: Yeah. So two things. This is, this is a great question. And for the record, we didn't talk about this before. So I give you kudos because <laughs> I think this is the right question, right? What do you do if I'm talking and you're right? I don't focus on the the, the community, like in creating the ecosystem. What I focus on is if you want to create the ecosystem, I can help. But in reality, what I want to do is I want to say for smaller towns who don't have an ecosystem and don't have support systems, don't have trainers, I have all this stuff, send them to me. And we'll do the whole thing. We'll run through an accelerator. It'll be online. It's with me. I'm not trying to pine for what I do, but the point of this is right is technology gives you access to people who have access to capital, accesses to resources, accesses to training. So the the the, the thing where they go like, we can't get a tax pass to support this. Stop. That's not what you need. What you need is to just invest in people. So, <clears throat> you know, from that, what are the two things that I would say? The first thing I would say is a great product or a service is cool. It is, but You, if you can sell, and I don't mean being salesy, what I'm talking about is creating revenue models that allow you to generate leads, qualify leads, and then create sales opportunities that have a very high rate of conversion, right? So we're talking about sales engineering, essentially, if you can teach people how to sales engineer a product or a service They can have sustainability. Now, people say, well, a great product makes all the difference. A meh product. So, this is good. This is bad. This is meh. Like, meh. eh, It's okay, right? A meh product that's managed extremely well will do very, very, very well. And I'm going to take a shot at somebody. I don't think Starbucks is fantastic. Sorry, Starbucks. There goes my sponsorship, right? I don't think it's fantastic. But you know what they are? They're meh. They're above meh on occasion, but man, they have a system. And that system generates sales opportunities. And when you walk in, you buy stuff and you go like, that's the secret. And then I would say the second secret. And again, I focus on the individual. The the first secret is learn how to sales engineer models. The second secret is, is understand that this is the loneliest, the loneliest job you're ever going to have is being an entrepreneur. You can't talk to your spouse because they don't get it. You can't talk to your clients because they don't want to hear it. You can't talk to your contractors or your employees because they don't want to see the, 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 you know, they don't want to feel the, the ground shaking underneath them. So who do you talk to when you have a problem? And this is where I say, and this is a hard thing for smaller communities. The next best advice I can give you other than sales engineering models is therapy. Find a support system, whether it's formally going to see a psychologist or a counselor, or it's just finding dudes like you and me who go like, man, I've been there. I get it. Let me tell you what I went through, right? I'm am not a I'm not a psychologist or a counselor. But I can tell you, if you're having a really bad day, I bet you I've seen that day. And I can tell you what I did and all out myself, I go to counseling for this very reason. It's because, man, my life as an entrepreneur is up and down. And the ups feel great, but they're not good either. The downs feel terrible. They're not good. What I want to be is like this, if I could, right? But you're going to be a little more like this. What you don't want to be is like this. That's called being bipolar, right? (laughs) That's miserable. And so the therapy or the peer network, Or the support network of people, you kind of think like AA, people who are alcoholics, right? They don't necessarily go see a psychotherapist, but they're around people who understand what they're going through. They have a sponsor, like a mentor, a support person, and they walk through the days of going like, how do I get from today to tomorrow? So learn how to sales engineer a model that sells stuff and then find a support system that allows you a little bit of space psychologically to go through the emotional ups and downs. You do those two things in a community, man, you got what you need.
0: Two great points for entrepreneurs. I don't think I, I don't think people often think about therapy when they think about entrepreneurship. But that's a really really valid oh, point.
1: Dude, it's a game changer. It really yeah. it really is. Because otherwise, what you're going to end up doing is you're just going to like drink a beer on a Friday night, going like I just need to de stress. And that's how you get in trouble, right? One beer turns into five yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, we're streaking. So, like, don't do yeah. it We're don't do it, you know. You know so <laughs> we, we were uh, talking about
0: misconceptions, you know, misconceptions yeah. about the Appalachia. But there are also a lot of misconceptions about entrepreneurship. And especially when you're talking about small business as opposed to entrepreneurship. Oh, yeah. Do you think that's one of the biggest misconceptions in entrepreneurship? And how do you separate the two or do you separate the two?
1: Yeah. So I actually, so I I might be in the minority here and that's okay. You know, I like, I like divergent voices. I like people who go against the grain. So try to be that on occasion, but here's where I, I, you know, you hear people say they go, no, entrepreneurship is about creating scalable models that can get 10 X revenue on investment and can hire 200 employees. And I go back to the same thing. I will ask you the question. I go, is Michael Dell a good entrepreneur? I think so. Is Jeff Bezos a good entrepreneur? just just so we're clear too, Amazon lost millions upon millions upon millions of dollars for a really, 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 really really long time, right? But is Jeff Bezos a great entrepreneur? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think so, right? But just remember, Michael Dell was a dude. Jeff Bezos was a dude. I can never remember the girl's name because I always want to make sure I get some ladies in here. But the gal who left Tinder to start Bumble, she wasn't, she was an employee at Tinder. And she was like, this sucks. I'm going to go make it around the girls. I'm going to make it female centric. She started Bumble. She took off, right? She was a person with an idea. So, you know, the guy who started Starbucks, like sometimes people start from a venture capital position, but most people go like, you know what I want to start as a hair salon. And then all of a sudden, five years later, they own three hair salons. And then 10 years after that, they own 20 and they're in three different States. And people go, what a great entrepreneur. And I go, they were cutting hair 10 years ago, one person cutting hair in their garage. So stop entrepreneurs are small business owners. The difference between an entrepreneur and a small business owner is not whether or not they own the small business. It's what they want to do with the small business. Do you want to own a shop in your town where you have a good life? You own a local shop. You never want to open up a bunch of stores. Great. You're an entrepreneur who launched a small business and you said that's enough, right? Some entrepreneurs go, I want to own a coffee shop. And then they go, man, I'm really good at it. I got a friend in Lafayette, Louisiana. I'll give him a shout out. He owns a place called Jet Coffee. He wanted to own one. He now owns three. His plan is to own a bunch. And so you go like, he was a small business owner, but he wasn't. He was an entrepreneur. He wanted to start a thing because he saw a need. And now he's becoming what people in economic development, especially go, that's an entrepreneur. He wants to scale up and he wants to get his investors a bunch of money. Man, he was still just a guy who wanted one coffee shop and he found a better path. So- to me, again, being very, very preachy at people is don't try to separate entrepreneurs from small business. Encourage people to start small businesses, give them the training, give them the technology, give them the resources, and then ask them the question when it works, could we do more? And if they go, yeah, then you ask the question, do you want to do more? And if they go, yeah, then circle the wagons around them again. And if they go, no, then go, This is cool. Will's got a fantastic coffee shop. I love it. It fills a gap in my community. And that's all he wanted to do. So don't force people to to be like Google, man. Nobody wants – if you don't want to be Google, you can't force me into being Google. But you're never going to get Google unless you get one person to go, you know what we could do, and then support them. Yeah, that's an amazing point,
0: especially – In regards to small town Appalachia, because the backbone of these small towns in Appalachia are the main street businesses, all those small businesses that don't want to grow beyond what they have there, but are very important for the local economy. Yep. I love that point, uh, especially in regards to, like I said, the, the small towns.
1: Yep. And and if I can chime in one more quick sec, I promise I won't talk over you the whole time here. People who know me who are watching this are like, oh yeah, you will. Just wait, right? But <laughs> yeah. you, know, you don't get enough time. Honestly, we we are so busy doing our job, we don't often get to talk about what could happen or what should happen or, or the bigger ideas, and that's why I'll, you know taking these opportunities is such a big deal. But you know, I want to I want to kind of talk to small town Appalachia real quick and say this: if you roast coffee that can be done in a town of 100 people, right? You are an expert coffee roaster, or you want to become one, do it, become that. And then, you know, grind up your beans, put them in a bag and sell them on Amazon, or set up a website and start a subscription model that says small town, you make it smalltowncoffee.com, right? And all it is, is small town roasteries from all throughout Appalachia. And guys like me who drink a ton of coffee can go, That sounds way better than Starbucks. Sorry again, Starbucks. I'm not trying to take shots at you on purpose. But, right, so you don't need to, you don't even need to say like, well, you know, I don't live near a big city. I can't sell my stuff. Man, the internet changed the game. What you need to do is make something cool, find people who want to buy it, do that sales engineering, right? Get in the way of them wanting to buy a thing and then ship it to their house. And I promise you, you can sell a million bags of coffee out of the tiniest town in the Appalachian Mountains from you know people who never thought they could own a business, but they're good at making coffee. So make good coffee and then sell it. And this is where I will. So this is a plug for me, right? If you don't know somebody who knows how to sell stuff, call Will, call Zach, or find somebody who can, and we'll help you sell it. And you might have to make us a partner. You might have to give us a revenue share. Who cares, man? The difference between making 100% a zero and 90% of a bunch is fantastic. Don't be afraid <laughs> to let somebody else help you.
0: Well, and where can people find your, uh,
1: what's your website? Where are people? Where oh man, you- I didn't mean to walk you into that, but I'll take oh, it. No, start uh, startsupported.com. So if they go to start supported, and it is literally that. My belief is that you should start supported. Startsupported.com. Give yourself the best chance to be successful, man. This is not rocket science, but you can't do the whole, I'm gonna build it and they will come. No, 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 no! You figure out where they want to come to, and then you build that, and you sell Perfect. it to them over and over and over and over and over, and it is not hard at all.
0: Perfect. Startsupported.com. dot com. dot com. Um, I, I wanted to ask you a couple, like we we we, we like to call rapid fire questions, but before Do it, that, let's go. Before that, I wanted to ask you just in regards to entrepreneurship, since obviously that's what we're talking about. But what that, is the one number one that you would think? biggest challenge for up entrepreneurs, especially maybe in small towns?
1: They don't understand how to sell. And look, and again, I don't want to make it salesy, but people understand how, most people who start a business start it because they're good at making something. Or, you know, like people go like, man, I make really good coffee. And I go, that's cool. Who are you going to sell to? Well, people who drink coffee, man, Starbucks has already got locked down. People who drink coffee market, right? The general Walmart kind of mentality. Who are you going to sell to? I got a gal right now I'm working with, she wants to make a vegan coffee shop. And I said, well, is, is coffee not vegan? And she goes, well, no, I mean, as long as you don't put like milk in it, she goes, but we have vegan alternatives to milk. And, and I was like, okay, so uh, that's cool. Like, why would vegan people, I'm not vegan, right? And I'm not trying to go to her when I ask this, like, why would vegan people want that? And this is what she says, cross-contamination. She goes, just because somebody's making you coffee without milk. Doesn't mean the spoon that they're using doesn't have milk in it. And I was like, oh, got it. And she said, our shop will be pure. You can walk in, you don't have to worry about any cross-contamination. I went, oh, this is why I don't get it. I'm not her target market. But I bet if you're vegan, you go, why doesn't this exist already? And so I just told her, I said, you go find me a thousand people who are vegan who believe what you just said. You put them on an email list and you get them to, to, to become VIP members. Give them, tell them to give you 20 bucks just to become a VIP member pre-launch, which means you get upgraded from a medium to a large coffee every time you walk in, right? No questions asked, which I think is also a very cool like add-on feature. You do that, you get a thousand people to give you 20 bucks, that's $20,000 raised. That's the down payment for the loan for your building, right? And you know, you have a thousand people out there who are committed to buying from you. So at the end of the day, man, learn how to sell, learn how to create sales systems. They do that, easy peasy. Because you'll have Uh, 20 good ideas and one of them will sell. Uh, Look, if they look up Startup Support Center, I think I'm the only one out there too. So it's just boring enough to be attractive. (laughs) I, I would, just want to ask you some quick questions. We'd like to have a
0: little fun on the show. So I want yeah. to ask you a little quick question, not necessarily around entrepreneurship, but just yeah. obviously our show is a lot about place and perspective. We talk yep. a lot about Appalachia, but not everyone yep. lives in Appalachia. Obviously you live outside the region. You've yep. lived in Nashville. So I wanted to ask you what's the best Nashville hot chicken.
1: Oh, look, it's not even going to be on people's radar. It's Bolton's. bolton's hot fish and chicken if you look up bolton's hot chicken you might not find it because it's hot fish first so it's on uh main street in east nashville it's right near fifth so there's a big building down there called fifth and main that was built a long time ago it was emerging when i came up but bolton's hot chicken or hot fish and chicken you can't even sit it's not a restaurant you just walk up to the window you get it you leave i'm telling you man Hattie B's is good, but Hattie B's wasn't there before Bolton's. Go to Bolton's. Nice. Game changer. So good.
0: Trivia question. Do you know the
1: tallest peak in Colorado? Ooh, the tallest peak in Colorado. I should know this. Uh, Oh, no, it's not. Is it Pikes Peak? People always think it is Pikes Peak. I I I was going to say,
0: too, unless i but but I looked it up. So
1: is it, It, uh, it, it's, man, it's going to be a 14er. I know that. It's Mount. Yep. Mm, well, I mean Mount. So I get half points, right? Uh, <laughs> is it? It's not one of the collegiate peaks. Is it Mount? Oh, I don't know, it man. I Mount should. Elbert. Elbert.
0: At, yeah, at
1: fourteen thousand four hundred thirty-three
0: oh. feet. So the, the highest peak in Appalachia is Mount Mitchell, which I think is around 6,200 feet. So it's double, it's double the highest peak in Appalachia. Even though Appalachia mountain range is the oldest mountain range yep. in the world, yep. uh, the Rocky Mountains are double yep. in size.
1: Well, you'll like this. How about this? So uh, the city of Denver is the mile high city at 5,200, roughly 5,300 feet. The city of Colorado Springs is almost 1,000 feet higher than that. So your tallest mountain in Appalachia is as high as my city in Colorado Springs. Whoa! I'll say, if you think question. it's hard to breathe in that on top of that mountain down there, it's hard to breathe <laughs> here in this city. That was an, that was another question I was going to ask you. Have you
0: become acclimated to the uh, elevation?
1: I mean, look, here's what you know, I love my wife; she's the best. So I, I will. I'm going to sneak in something real quick. So to Rocky and Marie in Asheville, uh, Nancy Rocky. says hi yeah so (laughs) there's only one rocky right that's right rocky b and marie (laughs) that's right so here's what my wife nancy who went to uh who's from who's who grew up with marie with rocky's wife right which we didn't figure out until about 30 minutes ago when you i you and i got in a call together we started talking about people we know so my wife nancy says like this she goes when people say do you get acclimated to living at such a high elevation she goes i mean if You mean, did I get used to just not being able to breathe? Yeah, I'm acclimated. So, man, no, you still huff and puff when you go up the stairs. Like, there is no acclimation. I guess if you were born here, you don't know any different. But for us Louisiana lowlanders, man, we came from, you know, at or below sea level to over 6,000 feet above. Yeah, there's plenty of days that it catches me. So
0: next question. Have you ever had a Rocky Mountain oyster?
1: (laughs) I have, as a matter of fact. You I have. Tell me the story. A, so I want to say that we were in, we were around Bristol. So we'd gone to Knoxville. And so we were going kind of up, you know, getting near North Carolina, the whole bit. And I want to say we ended up in Boone because we were, you know, so man, you man, we didn't know any the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, we were. Yeah, no, they were. We had them in Appalachia, is where we had Rocky Mountain oysters, and I didn't know what it was. And the people we were, I mean, I think I was maybe 21, 22, like just out of college, went to Middle Tennessee State, uh, go Blue Raiders. Yeah, we were up there and they were serving them, and someone said, Man, you want one? I was like, uh, They're like, I'm buying. I was like, I mean, I'm drinking beer. I might as well eat this thing, right? They didn't tell me until afterwards, and I was like, Oh, no, no. They're like, How was it? I mean, it it was fine, man. It's, there's there's chicken? a yeah there's a there's a bunch of stuff in south louisiana that i always tell people too i go like don't ask man just eat you'll yeah, trust me it's yeah. good it's good yeah, so what, what, uh, yeah i grew up on south
0: meat my dad never told me what it was until i was probably 20
1: Yeah. grew up on it since i found out
0: i haven't tried it since <laughs>
1: it's like uh, head cheese man don't like unless yeah. you're ready don't eat it <laughs> One last question, very important
0: question when it comes to Colorado. You know, I talked about perception. When people think of Appalachia, uh, all those negative perceptions come to light. But yep. these days, when people think of Colorado, they oh, think dude, of think... weed.
1: That's the first thing. That <laughs> I, was comes say, to I know life. where this question's going. So,
0: all right, so I, I gotta say, do you have a, a, a weed store on your corner?
1: Not on my corner. So Are I'll give you some trivia. Corner? So I'll give you trivia. So um, it is legal in the state of Colorado, but we have not legalized recreational marijuana in the county of El Paso, which is the county that uh, Colorado Springs resides in. So now we have a little tiny town that's just up the road called Manitou Springs. That is literally like every small town, Main Street, you could everything. The whole town is just Main Street, right? And then there's a couple houses that are up above Main Street, but there's the population very, very small. They were super smart. And they said, we're going to legalize it. And so what happens is all the people in Colorado Springs who can't buy it. Now, you can buy it if you have a medical card. I call it a green card. So we have tons of medical places, and they just tried to pass recreational you know, whatever, a couple weeks ago on, on a election Tuesday and it didn't pass. So we're not doing recreational here in Colorado Springs. you can't just show up and, you know, get a joint or get some gummies or whatever, but you can go 10 minutes up the road and you get whatever you want. So, (laughs) but I will say like in, in the ski towns and all that, oh, they're not dumb. It is a negative perception for us, but I I think it's for anybody else who has a town that's legalized it, man, I I think there are some people who go wild on it, but for the most part, it's like drinking, like. You know, it's do people do it? I mean, I know people who do it, but eh, it's yeah. just not that big a deal. It's it, a, it's, it's a, a it's a negative on the outside, on the inside, we're just like whatever, dude. It's not yeah, a big that's deal. an interesting
0: perspective, especially how it's not legal. Because I grew up in a dry county, but I grew up next to the border of Tennessee, and so people would just drive across the border to Tennessee that's right. to get that's right. gone, This show has gone way downhill. <laughs> I don't know what
1: happened.
0: Sorry, uh, sorry, I, I lowered no, the Zach, quality. I, I want to thank you for your time. I so appreciate your oh, expertise, My pleasure. your perspective. Appreciate you being here. I want to give a shout out to your uh, website again. If you want to let our listeners know one more time where they can yep. go to find you.
1: Yeah. Startsupported.com. Startsupported.com. And if you want to email me at Z-A-C-H at Startsupported.com. Y'all just hit me up. I'm more than happy to help That's anybody. Perfect. Really thank help you anybody. so much.
0: For being here again, thank you for your perspective and what you do, not only for the
1: individual uh, entrepreneur, but also the communities that you help grow. Thanks. Well, I appreciate that, man. And, and if I can say, I know you probably don't get enough accolades for doing all this work, but thanks for giving a voice to a lot of people who maybe feel overlooked or, or are overlooked. Your community will benefit from the work you're doing. So kudos to you, man. Keep keep fighting the good fight for all your people. Appreciate it. Yeah. Shout out to Rocky. Shout out to Rocky. Hey, Marie. (laughs) (laughs) See y'all in Lafayette.
0: Great episode to have for Global Entrepreneurship Week. Zach Barker, what an excellent guest and expert in entrepreneurship and building entrepreneurial communities. Yes, sir. Zach did an excellent job. I really enjoyed uh, listening to everything you had to say. It was very interesting to hear, you know, the comparisons between the Rocky Mountain region to the Appalachian region. You know, the mountains, the Rocky Mountains may be a little taller, but the Appalachian Mountains are older and been here longer. Doesn't matter where they're at, Well, There's magic in them mountains. Always Appalachian. <laughs> yeah, I found it interesting just to hear, you know, the comparison and to hear how entrepreneurship is really not all that different when you're talking about it in communities. It's just based on the assets, based on what you have in that community. If you can work individually, like like Zach was talking about, you know, education is important within the community, not only uh, book smarts, but also just that entrepreneurial edu- education for the individual um, to help them in regards to sales, in regards to some of the things that he was talking about. Obviously, great guest to have for Global Entrepreneurship Week. Want to support the entrepreneurs out there. Want to support the entrepreneurial communities that entrepreneurial-led economic development, building from within and building upon your own individuals and assets.
1: All right, Will.
0: uh, Do you have a business of the week that you want to highlight for us this week? Yeah, I do, Neil, since this is... Global Entrepreneurship Week, since we've been talking about entrepreneurship, building entrepreneurial communities, I want to give a shout out to the ARC, the Appalachian Regional Commission, for their Appalachian Entrepreneurship Academy. I know we've mentioned it before when the deadlines are coming up, but it is a two-week summer program that prepares high schoolers or the next generation of entrepreneurial leaders and thinkers. 26 high school students from across throughout the 13 states of Appalachia are chosen. Uh, to participate in this free program while they learn the concepts of of entrepreneurial skills. They also develop and implement their own business ideas throughout the process, which I think is pretty cool. I want to give the the program a shout out. The partners of the program a shout out. Last year it was at Appalachian State University, but it was also Ed and STEM West. Just to have a business of the week, the winner of the competition, the entrepreneurial pitch competition was Team Refill Vibes. It's a solar powered vehicle which operates as a mobile refill station, allowing customers to refill items such as soap, shampoo, conditioners, and body wash. Essentially, it's to reduce plastic usage, which is obviously great for the environment, great for the world. So that's an awesome company that took first place. You can actually find them online. Refillvibes.com. That's R-E-F-I-L-L-V-I-B-E-S.com. I know they're still up and coming. They don't they have some information on their website, but I think they're still trying to build their business. But check them out online. The Founder is Samuel Oaks. I'll give him a shout out. He's a young high schooler that participated in the Appalachian Entrepreneurial Academy last year. They'll have that applications coming up soon. So you can check online for that for the summer of 2023. If you have a high school student, if you have know of any high school student interested, it's the Appalachian Entrepreneurship Academy. With the ARC, just go to ARC.gov and search for Appalachian Entrepreneurship Academy. should be able to find it. Like I said, applications aren't posted yet, but they should be posted soon to apply for the summer of 2023. Uh Will, I'm glad you mentioned them. That's a, that's a great, great, great group. All right, Neil, great episode. I guess we can end it like we usually do. Until next time. Peace. I'm
1: up in the mountains again. I'm getting lighter. It's getting thin now I'm facing down with a grin I've been in the city too long Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs Now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains